0: When I made the move over to the UK over a decade ago, I came with very little. I had a set of pots and pans my parents bought me from Canadian Tire, and a pile of dishcloths that I knit myself. I'm not even kidding. I also had six hockey bags, does it get any more Canadian? Filled to the brim with my own clothes, my favorite DVDs, which didn't work in the UK, and a collection of my life's journals all to my name. That's it. To this day, making the decision to move abroad at 24 is still one of the most brave and bold things I've ever done. I didn't even know a soul, except for my partner. I didn't have a job lined up, and I didn't really have much of a plan. In my head, I told myself that I'd give myself about six months to find my feet, and then I would make it my job to find a job. weeks in countless banana breads made and consumed I decided that I needed to hit the pavement and find myself a job and honestly any job would do. I volunteered I temped I worked mind-numbing jobs and I did things that I genuinely loathed. But each of these jobs were opportunities. Opportunities that opened doors, gifted me friendships, and made my skin a hell of a lot thicker in the process. When I made the move to England and no longer had the luxury that we so often take for granted of seeing my family, I became incredibly selective of who I wanted to share my energy with. I'm protective of my heart, and I always have been. And I'm incredibly picky with whom I confide in and spend my time with both personally and professionally. A third of our lives, which is approximately 90,000 hours is spent with the people that we work with. And I think it took living abroad for me, living away from my family that made me hyper aware, acutely aware of how important It was for me that I needed to work with people who made me feel good and ultimately made me happy. When I finally plucked up the courage to leave a job that taught me a lot, but I knew wasn't 100% right for me. Even more doors opened. Beautiful friendships continued to flourish. And the universe guided me towards the person I'm about to introduce you to. Now I'm proud to say that this month's guest is a valuable member of my chosen family. Dorian Kirk, creative director and co-founder of A Rule of Thumb, has dedicated his life to serving delicious food in inspiring spaces. Focused on crafting honest dishes inspired by local and seasonal ingredients, Dorian and his brother Edwin have created a group of restaurants consisting of passionate people working thoughtfully to create food experiences in Herefordshire and beyond. If you've had the pleasure of dining in one of their establishments, you'll know firsthand that what they've created is something truly special. And I have a funny feeling they're only just getting started. He's been one of my constants for nearly a decade now, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this candid conversation between Dorian and I. It's inspiring, it's uplifting, and it's empowering, and it's nothing but feel-good vibes. You'll see. Give it a listen. Let's dive right in. So Dorian, this is so exciting. I'm so Proud to have you on here because well we've been friends for a really long time and um, you've always inspired me but I really want to talk about how you just came off the back of an amazing trip from Prague what tell me all about that
1: yeah so um, me and uh, a few of the the core team uh, went to Prague it's not the first time we've been Um, we I first stumbled across this restaurant group in Prague in I think it's 2015 with my wife before we had children and. Uh, whenever I go somewhere new, I always find out the coolest coffee shop. So I, I, I figure that uh, people who, who are baristas, they always go out and eat in the evening so they know where yeah. where's good to eat. And we went to this cool coffee shop and said, where do we go? And they pointed us in the direction of, I can't remember which one now, of this ambient restaurant group. And we went to one and we thought, wow, this is incredible. It's just everything, the ambience, the decor, the service. And then I found another one. And another, one, <laughs> another one I'm like how on earth do these guys produce with different concepts mind it's not like a carbon copy how do they uh manage to create such great atmosphere impeccable service um, incredible design also very different designs and you know manage to keep on top of all that. Because at at this stage, I think we had maybe one, maybe two businesses, probably when you were with us. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Actually, I remember when when I started, you guys have just come back and you handed me this map. That was it. And it was a map of all the Ambient Group restaurants within Prague, right? Yeah, and I was super
1: excited. And I was sort of like, right, this is what we need to do. Um, So yeah, me and my wife stumbled across it. And then I, I can't remember where it was when I was younger. It stuck with me that if you always surround yourself by people who are more knowledgeable and, you know, work smart, not hard. You know, if you can learn it from other people who've done it before, why not?
0: Absolutely. And
1: I, I, so I, emailed, I managed to find the email address of the owner and I emailed him once, didn't hear anything. and But I remember, again, someone said, you just email three, four, five times. You
0: are a persistent little yeah, yeah, bugger. Well,
1: well. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> be very irritating. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> no,
0: but <laughs> you get it done, right? That's
1: it. Yeah. And I think, so after that persistence, we, I think 2017, we, we managed to go and, and meet them. Mm. But at that stage, again, we were... Still very fledgling as a business. And um, how
0: many of them own the business? Ambient, yeah.
1: Um, there's two core core owners. Okay. Um, started with one guy called Thomas, and then there's now Danielle's right hand man. Amazing. Um, but then there's multi uh, 60 partners uh, or, or or shareholders within all the restaurants. Wow. Um, and I just, when we first went, me and my brother sat in the room. They're like, "Well, why are you here?" Because <laughs> they were like, "This, this restaurant group's been." constantly trying to come and meet us but what do you want to know and we i guess we didn't know i guess all we knew was that these guys had knowledge they're doing what we want to do yeah so we had an idea that we want to grow the business to that sort of level or and and have people who are part owners and inspiring other people it's always more than just like i remember john said who our original um one of
0: the founders original
1: founders we don't want a faceless chain, and that stuck with me the whole time. That's sort of what I use the whole, everywhere, every time I talk about our business. Is we mm. don't want to just roll out a carbon copy because we want, in ten years' time, to still be able to get out of bed excited about the creative.
0: Yeah, and I'd uh, say you still do. I mean, you've been how long has a rule of thumb been operating for now? Like that—that's kind of the umbrella of the mm. of the business, right? And then underneath that, you have how many restaurants now?
1: So we've got five five restaurants, soon to be six. Mm-hmm. Well, soon to be five, soon to be six, I guess. We're about to open another one in about three or four weeks. Um, Yeah, so A Rule of Tum was born out of uh, um, just me and my brother wanting to start something in Hereford, I guess.
0: Thank God, because there wasn't a food scene when I moved here. When was it?
1: 2013.
0: (laughs) When you started? Yeah, Yeah. 2013. I arrived in 2012 and there wasn't much much going on. But when we
1: first met, didn't we, when we were doing a pop-up beer in hand, it's a small micro pub. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the, the the current owners are still there, um, but we went in and said, "Look, we want to cook food." On and we did Burger Thursdays. And yes. I remember that's that's where we met. And there's you know for Hereford. There was queues at the door, wasn't there? And, Seriously. Uh, and it was exciting. It felt because I'd been in London for sort of five years previous. It felt exciting to bring some of that excitement about food because Hereford, I guess, didn't did, well, didn't pride itself or champion itself on let's let's be passionate and excited about this amazing project we've got.
0: Yeah. I mean, you were working in London and seeing that a lot of the great beef and meat and everything was coming from your home County. Right. Yeah. And you're, I guess what you thought, well, it's coming all that way. Why don't we have something yeah. in Hereford?
1: Yeah. And I, I, there's a defining moment. I, I think I was 16. I was working at a restaurant called duties in Hereford. Um, still know the original head chef and owners. They're still in town. And it was, a, it, it, I started when I was 14 washing, washing dishes, um, but when I was, I think it was 16, my brother was, Ed, my brother was, um, 18.
0: Yeah.
1: Duties was about to close down. And I remember there was a huge leak down the side. The building was sort of, I think the business was in sort of struggling. Yeah. And I think it was up for a pound, you know, you buy all the debt with it and stuff. Oh yeah. I and mean, my brother seriously were considering, um, should we actually buy this business and open this restaurant? So from that moment we knew together we want to go into business
0: yeah.
1: and open this restaurant. Um, and yes it took maybe 5 6 years later when i went off to london and australia first but we still had that key vision
0: mm-hmm. and it happened yeah
1: and i think that's and i think i only probably only realized that in the last 3 years that hang on we we had this vision and we've made it reality and it's pretty cool because yeah. lots of people say i have dreams and people laugh at you and i and I say don't let people laugh at you when you've got a dream i think no. f- follow it through cuz anything's achievable
0: absolutely and you I mean you've shown that time and time again i remember you know back in the day when we were when i was working for you and i'll go into that a little bit later but i remember we were um we went to Worcester and you guys were looking at these old derelict like mm. uh, railway arches and people thought you were crazy to wanting to put something there where no one like the footfall wasn't happening. And you just you guys were like, it will happen. It's going to it's going to be great. It's really close to the university. And actually, we're going to work with the council and the business and development to see if we can open up these paths. And, you know, it takes a lot of work, mm. but you guys have always just kind of pushed on through and believe that, like, you know what? They can say no, but we just ask, right? Mm. And and you've made it happen. And, you know, it's not without any blood, sweat and tears for sure. No, Worcester
1: was definitely, I think, I mean, now I, look, I think it's a perfect decision, but there's definitely a period there where it was really tough. We opened, mm. yeah, disused railway arches. There was, I think, a, a bike mechanic next door with yeah. oil and grease. And then, and it, and it's a weird space where you, it's not obvious to get to from the train station or the town center. So but it's really,
0: right beside it, but yeah. it's not obvious. But you have yeah. to, So
1: you have to, it has to be a destination place.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, uh, whereas in Hereford we built up these pop-ups and supper clubs, we sort of had this core cult following, I guess. Yeah. And then we thought, oh, fine, Worcester's bigger, it's got a university, it'll be fine. But again, that was a me- incredible lessons for us of how to, you know, I think it was like three years where it was just bumping along, not yeah. really doing much and it's financially tough.
0: yeah. But-
1: uh, again, we pulled it around. Um, now it's a really profitable side of the business. Absolutely. So.
0: And I like what you said there. You said, you know, you have to make it a destination. And I, one of my favorite movies is Field of Dreams. And the favorite, my favorite line from it is, if you build it, they will come. Mm. And you've done that with all of your locations. You've kind of like reimagined kind of, you know, run down spaces, mm. but really given them a new lease of life. I think it's really interesting too, because you've created restaurants focused on honest food inspired by local and seasonal ingredients. We kind of touched on that. You've always championed your suppliers. I love how you used to have a a, a burger called Farmer Tom, Um, and you've been incredibly transparent every step of the way. I know that this obviously isn't the easiest path because, you know, it's, it's not the cheapest one either, but why has it been important to you to operate your business in such a way?
1: I think I think it's a deep-rooted uh, foundation. My uh, we were brought up on biodynamic veg. Um, my
0: biodynamic mom, veg.
1: So biodynamic is like super organic. I guess yeah. I mean, it's, it's with bit, the moon
0: cycles, right? Yeah. Yes. So
1: it's a bit yes. like woo woo, and hit, But my, my 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 mum would cook home cook food, um, and a, a, a very fond early memory of of mine was. Um, you know, watching the when you add the yeast and the water and seeing it bubble, and then Mum making this bread and then eating the bread, and I, I think just that stayed with me a long time. Yeah. Idea it that idea that really can,
0: imprinted your heart. Yeah, yeah, that you can
1: you can create something, you can eat it, and it's enjoyable, and then you sit around as a family and share it. And I guess that's what creating restaurants is um, is is you're creating experience, small experience for people in their daily lives, and people need to eat. Yeah, you know, every day, and if you can do something to such an extent where you're also impacting a supplier who's produced it you can impact the soil biodiversity or there's a whole myriad of people who touch on that just one plate of food yeah and there's so much work that goes into creating that one mouthful of food yeah and love yeah and i think how incredible is that that you can be part of that person's experience on that journey but also positively affect people along so it just seems natural to me to to do everything we can. Obviously it's got to be a successful business. Yeah. And if we just brought everything that was all organic, then we'd be out of business probably because you can't charge the, uh, uh, the, the prices at the moment to warrant the cost, but you do everything in your power to support. And the firstly, yeah, the soil biodiversity, but also the suppliers. I think yeah. it's, I think it's a duty really being a restauranteur.
0: Yeah. You to, really make it a family. Mm. You know, like from the people that work with you to the people that you're, you're supporting like the farmers, it's, it's pretty amazing because it feels like that's the way that we all should be doing it, right?
1: Yeah, it does. And that's, like I said, I I guess I've never thought of a a different way. There's never been, you know what, we're doing all right now, but we can make a bit more money if we just go and get some cheaper meat from somewhere else Mm -mm. or uh yeah like in the beginning we worked very closely for many years with farmer tom i i rate him very highly he's Mm -hmm. he's a farmer slash butcher so
0: slash comedian slash comedian he's great and (laughs) uh,
1: he's a he's a fantastic guy and um our journey went together for a long time we no longer use Tom at the moment but Mm -hmm. um it it, again the the reason we named our burghraft was wasn't we're very willing as a business to be to lift everyone else up when, you know, I can't yeah. remember the saying about, you know... We rising, rise by lifting others? Exactly. Yeah. Rising tide lifts, lifts all boats, doesn't it? Oh. Um, and everyone, I think even had a conversation yesterday, or the day before about another restaurant in locally and us helping them. And I thought, of course, we'd help them. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? Because if everyone else, if, if Hereford or wherever we are becomes a much more desirable destination... Yeah. Then we're all going to do better. Yeah. Yeah, right, tomorrow maybe our profit will go down a bit when they open.
0: But in the grand scheme of things. The
1: grand scheme of life and enjoyment and everyone else's enjoyment is going to be better. It just—it seems obvious, and I guess uh, um, maybe it's an upbringing thing, I'm I'm not sure. Oh,
0: it 100% is. You've got such a good heart, you and your brother and, you know, all of your business partners, and Mm. that's why you guys are doing so well, because... As much as you give to your own business, you give to everyone else. And its I guess it's just good karma, you know, as well as hard work. Um, you kind of touched on the fact that a moment that really imprinted on your heart was the the moment of watching your mother in the kitchen and, and the mm. yeast. And I always find it fascinating why people do what they do. So I was kind of wondering what is the catalyst that led you to pursue the path that you have and creating food and culinary experiences for others. Is it kind of, is it that moment there?
1: I think that was a definitely a defined, when anyone, anyone asks you that question, it, it definitely is a defining moment. Um, and this idea of really caring mm-hmm.
0: about what you're using. Um, what was the catalyst though, Dawes? What was the thing that like just you couldn't deny you couldn't you couldn't stop thinking about it like what led you to this
1: it's funny it's funny with me like I think uh, my dad was an astrologer and he said one thing to again it stuck with me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: was he read my chart or something and and again you know when when you're a kid things stick with you so uh, again I've got to watch myself when I talk to my children it's so important how you talk but he said you're going to be really good at business yeah. And I, so I've just had that idea going out into life that I'm going to be successful at business. Because you believed it. I believed it, yeah. yeah. And and there's always a thing, I mean, I remember my teacher at school wanted me to go off and write, do English, because he thought I should go and write. And I just thought, no, I've got to do something with my hands and be practical. Yeah. And maybe that tied together with this idea of business and this idea of this joy of food and sitting around the table with a big family, you know, we're a family of seven, five yeah. five kids. And um, and we always cook these meals together. Um. I think there was this idea of trying to hit all those and being practical and creative.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think now that I'm at a stage in the business where I'm not actually in the kitchen much anymore, I actually really thrive and love the creative mm-hmm. bit of growing the business. Yeah. Um, even though I love food, I got I got so worked up and stressed that people wouldn't like my food. It was almost right. so overbearing that mm. I wouldn't enjoy the cooking. Well, it's
0: because you care so I, much. Yeah, I cared a lot. Yeah,
1: um, but I miss it. I do when I do the odd service. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, but you um, still give back and like to your friends and stuff. And I love when you have, have us over for dinner because I always know the food's gonna be. Happy.
1: Elizabeth. I mean, f- people always say, oh, God, it's um, really stressful if, if they invite me around to eat. And I'm like, well, I, f- I feel just as stressed. <laughs> yeah. I'm expecting something really incredible. They're
0: expecting big things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about empowerment mm-hmm. because both you and your brother, Edwin, and um, Rupert and everyone that you have involved have been passionate about getting the very best out of the people that work, for, well, out of yourselves, but the people who work for you you have always rewarded, um, hard work and you've encouraged a lot of creativity within your own team. You guys, like I said earlier, you genuinely care at, on every level of, of your business. Um, what programs and practices have you started to implement within your business that allows the people to flourish?
1: I guess, um, top of the conversation about going to Prague and ambient group and being Mm -hmm. really inspired by this, sort of 30 restaurant group with 18 19 concepts and yeah seeing that and then realizing that the way they've got there is that each restaurant's got a, an owner like mm-hmm. or two owners or th- you know the, the the head chef and the manager there's always one of those in each restaurant yeah and that's sort of how Maneki was born we got a japanese restaurant called Mineki ramen in worcester and that's not that wasn't our brainchild or baby that was us lifting one of our team up who's an ex- incredibly talented chef yeah and he's got a slice of the pie there and then we're about to we're looking to opening the second Mineki and again he would have a slice of that and you can't grow anything of any means or or any uh warrant really without having great people yeah passion like, yeah and the business is only as good as the people in it yeah so it's like a hotel without any of the people it's just a room with furniture isn't it yeah totally a great hotel is all the great people that serve you and give you great same with the restaurant business same with anything you we we do together so it just makes sense and we've again we've got it's the the bit bigger than having a successful business like what legacy are we leaving yeah or or what how are we helping other people how are we lifting them up and that is through people there's fantastic people with talent but they might not have all the bits that join together being able to run a Restaurant business. Of course, it's
0: expensive. It's there's a lot of. You guys have like the blueprint. Yeah, there's so many
1: facets of. You have to be great with people. You have to be great at math. Maths. You you have to be able to do so many things. You can't just cook really good food and expect the business to be fly. Yeah. The amount of restaurants I know with fantastic chefs and fantastic um, menus that have failed because they they haven't got all the other bits that pull a restaurant business together. Yeah. So that idea that we can. Uh, have this diverse group of really exciting restaurants and give mm-hmm. amazing experiences,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whilst lifting people up and letting them live their dream. I mean, yeah. how how incredible is that?
0: You've kind of coined it too, chefpreneurs.
1: Yeah, we've got this goal of having you know twenty five chefpreneurs in the next sort of, over the next ten years. I guess. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I uh, love that concept. Like you know, the fact that you just find the right people mm. and like you know, I guess it's like what's next for a rule of thumb and you don't know until you find the right people. If you have an amazing Italian chef. You open an amazing Italian restaurant, if you know what I mean, and I think that's really cool to be like, just kind of follow the passion and let like your intuition and the and what feels right kind of guide the way, and um, and empower the people within, right? Well,
1: that's just happened recently. I we've mean, I won't say names yet until
0: yeah yeah we sure. know, but yeah.
1: like me and my brother had we love this idea. We we use a lot of baked goods, obviously breads and things in our restaurants. And we had this idea to contact someone about teaming up together and opening a bakery. Oh and my
0: God, please open a bakery. <laughs> please open Heref- a bakery. Hereford's,
1: Hereford's, you know, got... Well, it's gagging
0: for it yeah, though. Yeah, it is. Really.
1: And, you know, and we had this conversation it just went really well. And that was definitely an intuition thing. We both had this idea, we sent yeah. a message and then we arranged a meeting. And after that, we all walked away going, this is awesome, this is incredible. Yeah. And what that's doing, it's not because we want to open a bakery and count the pennies, that the profit that comes from it. It's because... I'm genuinely excited about creating products for our restaurants, but also lifting this person up, Baker, and making them Absolutely. super successful. Absolutely. It's very, it's a really I love exciting. that
0: you're also just like, you know, creating all these experiences that, you know, you personally want to, but we're all going to benefit from. Like, mm. you know what I mean? And I think that's amazing. And I think back to the time, so for those of you who don't know, I actually used to work for the boys at a rule of thumb. Um, I was uh, kind of like I did the marketing and and the photography and yes. this is kind of where my, my journey all began because um, I, I had taken photography in college but I hadn't really picked it up in a long time and I remember it was when one of the original founders John was working with you guys and I was in the marketing office and John was taking the photos to begin with and he said to me um Trish, you're going to be in charge of doing the photos this week. And I shit myself. I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, I've seen how perfect everything is. Like, how is this going to come down to me? And, um, he just said, well, you know, that's, there's no other option. Here's the camera, do it. And you know, you kind of like throw, you throw someone into, into water. It's sink or swim. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's no better way to learn, but you guys, all of you really empowered me and encouraged me to, to believe in my own self And look where it led, right? Like that was, I don't even know how many years ago. It feels like yesterday, but it was a a long time ago. And that's where everything kind of kicked off. And, you know, I have so much of my own success and my own career and business to thank of you guys, because you guys really believed in me, Mm. you know, and, and to go back to, to like how these, how you guys like learn. And, you know, you've, you've traveled every year, you guys do these amazing trips, um, with your, um, with the founders or the, what do you guys call each other? Like, you know, your like your director, your friend, your directors. Yeah. But you know, you do these amazing trips, um, to, to learn about food and experiences around the world. And the one year I remember I said, well, I'm going home for, for two or three weeks. And you guys said, well, we're coming with you. Yeah, and you awesome, all bought yeah. tickets and you all came and you got to see where I grew up and have experiences mm. in my part of the world. And I just think that's so amazing how you guys are just like, you know, you really, you really follow your heart and you, you lead with your intuition and, um, it's really inspiring. I mean, you inspire me in so many ways, but,
1: oh, oh, but likewise, I mean, I just, I guess it's really nice hearing that back and hearing that we were in some way responsible for where you are and your career you and your success now. I mean, yes, and it, it's almost like the, and it, that's what I love about when people leave working for us and they get, and they do go off and they see them excelling. Like John, obviously the original founder. Yeah such a great guy. We had so much fun starting the business together. And yeah, he, he went off and he's doing phenomenally well now. And he actually created a, um, pizza brand 11, yes. uh, which, you know, uh, and then COVID sort of hit and everything, but we've actually ended up buying, sort of came full circle, we actually brought that business off him. And now we're just about to open yeah. that in a few weeks. Um, so it's, it's, it's so nice to still, Yeah, They see these people who've touched us and they're they're still feeling that they've been rewarded from that, even if it's a small amount of time with us.
0: Absolutely. Like, you know, my parents have always said, never burn the bridges. And, Mm, you know, I I truly look at you guys as some of my chosen family, Mm. you know, and I always will. So when it comes to, you know, everything, how far you've come and everything you've achieved so far, what's the biggest lessons you've learned since embarking on this journey?
1: Um, probably I think we sort of touched on this idea of no dreams too big or small. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you can follow your passion and and create anything, but yes, there's going to be ups and downs and a lot of grit. Um, I think for me, since I started, I used to be like, you know, when I was at the beginning, I was cooking all the food and I used to put, be so hard on myself. You probably remember me I being do. just being.
0: Rem- it was a different Dawes. Yeah, it was, and <laughs> yeah.
1: I've grown a lot personally yeah, because sure. you have to grow up if you're. or you've got, you know, how many staff we've got over a hundred, and it's sort of like you've got to. Yeah, you have to be more yeah. focused in yourself.
0: Mm.
1: But uh, yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing I've learnt that you can lit. There's no no dream too big. You can create your own destiny and your own life through just passion, expectation. Um believing it's gonna happen, um and lots I guess lots of hard work. Um Oh
0: god, yeah. And sacrifice. Yeah.
1: Like I've got three beautiful girls now, um and you know, like this bank holiday weekend, I didn't I didn't have the Monday or the Friday off. Yeah. Um
0: The reality do, of running. I do always business. say to my
1: wife Well, you did marry a chef. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure she loves. Uh, that yeah, one. She <laughs>
1: loves. <laughs> but I think but then that's what's exciting about it. I get to wake yeah. up in the morning and, and change the direction, like yeah well, I remember once we me and my brother we sort of got stuck in feeling that we are shoehorned into this decision we had to do in the business, and we both sort of had to slap ourselves away and go hang on we we run this business, we're not you're in the driver's seat we're in the driver's seat, and we can make and create it as big or as small as exciting or as dynamic as we want,
0: yeah,
1: and we both really i guess in the last couple of years. Uh, alongside with Rupert there's three of us sort of in the driving seat with many great minds behind the scenes who help us on our board and everything we've got a phenomenal team around us now phenomenal very blessed mm. um and just we've really focused now on growing this exciting company
0: yeah
1: whilst lifting other, other, our main mission is to create chefpreneurs which yeah. ultimately is lifting other people up yeah it's not that we all want to drive a Ferrari in five years no. it's about what we're going to leave behind and how we're going to inspire other people mm. because the hospitality industry, I think it's something crazy, like a third of the GDP of this country, you know, it's huge. People yeah. eat out all the time. And, and, you know, if, if an independent group like us can take away some of the profit chefs from the big conglomerates who yeah. come in and, and, and we're, and we're buying better quality food and mm. it's, it's a great place to be. I
0: think. Absolutely. Because, you know, small changes have big impacts and you've seen that firsthand within your own business. I feel like now more than ever, people are becoming increasingly aware about what they're putting into their bodies. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you once said to me, it's not just you are what you eat. It, it's you are what you eat eats. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was like, God, I never thought of it that way. And it really resonated with me. You know, what small choices, but and I, like the small choices that we make, not only, like you said, they implement, they, they impact, sorry, um, the farmer's. They impact our bodies. They impact the planet. And I just want to know what small choices people you think people can make in their day-to-day lives that will have significant impacts on their own health but also our planet.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've always had this book title in my head that mm. I've got many actually. On that. Yes, got, I know. I will write them some. But choi- choice at the checkout, I think we've all got a choice. And even if it's one choice a month or where you – you go and buy that better cut, quality of meat from someone small, and it's not going through a huge supply chain, and the money ending up in the Caymans. Or yeah, s- you know, we've all we all have got that choice, and I guess sometimes people can feel, oh, there's so much bad in the world. There's what 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 am I going to be able to do? Mm-hmm. But all of us can do tiny little changes.
0: Yeah,
1: and it can make a huge impact. Huge, huge impact. Um, so I think I think that's it, really. I think just consciously start obviously down to affordability but maybe it's knowledge as well isn't it how to use the whole animal or how to use
0: yeah
1: um less sought after cuts that's cheaper mm-hmm. but make a conscious effort to maybe once a month you'll cook a meal out of a cut you've never used but yeah. it's it's using up more of the animals so it's more sustainable and
0: yeah
1: but then uh, and the idea that you know 100% grass-fed cow is is like a walking mackerel in terms of its nutrients wow um which is incredible. I mean someone told me that. I was like I was gobsmacked because everyone always raves about and how good the amigas are and everything. Yeah. But c- cows who've 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 lived in their natural habitat and just eaten grass and not filled with loads of grain that isn't good for them.
0: Yeah. It,
1: then like like that saying you are what you eat eats. Um and you can regain that nutrients yeah. and benefit. And again if we can do a, a small way in our restaurants yeah through, through that went well, fantastic
0: yeah well knowledge is power yeah. I mean all the things you're talking about too like do you think you'll ever have educational kind of programs not even I know you do within your own staff but for people who want to learn how to butcher an animal or how to like about different cuts like do you think maybe that will ever happen one day
1: we'd love uh, I'd love to again uh, inspirational from our trip to Prague is that they've now obviously a, a certain size where they've got a development kitchen they've got their own butchery that's like a thousand, thousand square meter, but wow. they're huge. And, but yeah. they make all their own charcuteries and salamis. Wow. And it's incredible and it's very inspiring. But again, I think there's a thirst for people to know more of this stuff. I think there's plenty of people in Herefordshire or wherever we grow to want to know this stuff. Yeah. So again, like a bakery, fantastic. Let's make a space big enough where people can come in and yeah, like learn these, how to make croissants. Or, absolutely,
0: like it's you're you're providing culinary experiences, but like experiences where people can learn and mm. they feel like you are the point of contact for all of these. You know, it's kind of like going back to basics, isn't it? And yeah. I feel like we're going to need to know a lot more of that well, in fa- the years to come.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's fascinating. Again, Tomas and the that we spent the last day in in Prague in their development kitchen with some of their chefs. Mm-hmm. And their task...
0: Drinking them. beer at 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that
1: was intense. Yeah, But you've got to get in with an alcohol.
0: Absolutely does. I'm full of it, you know. It's
1: funny, I, I turned around to the chef who was there <laughs> prepping some rabbits for a private dinner. I was like, how are, you, how are you doing this? And drinking beer said, no, no, I've got non-alcoholic. So he slipped that <laughs> oh, <laughs> so,
0: Okay.
1: But it's their religion out there. Beer Absolutely. and the way it's served is... is mm. And it's all completely unfiltered. And actually, I didn't feel...
0: Bloated, or yeah. You
1: know, normally when you drink a lot of beer, you can feel pretty, it can feel pretty sluggish. Yeah, but actually, I, we didn't. I didn't feel as bad as I one would normally. As when you would think, yeah. But their project for the next six months is all working on uh, bread and flowers. So working with different mills and different flour types and different grain types and getting back to the original check. Way of bread, and I mean, um, that, obviously they're in an incredible space in their business where yeah. they've got that luxury to really dive really deep. I mm-hmm. mean, Tomash said a lot, in, in our meetings with him, that we we don't just like to be linear; we like to get really deep. Mm-hmm. And that's a great. And but obviously, the business has to be ticking along successfully on the Absolutely, side.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, so that was really it's really great to see some of that for the longer term visions for us at a rule of thumb is how. You know, how can we explore, you know, the heritage of in- the UK here?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the fascinating
1: thing about Prague is that they obviously went through huge war. Yeah. And governments came in and basically told them, this is the bread you're going to eat. Yeah. And they got rid of all the old ways of doing things. So they're just rediscovering that now. Wow. And... I'm sure there's heaps in this country, which lots of great chefs in the UK do, don't they? They they explore and digging through the old archives of the original recipes and how things are done. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, what a fascinating thing for all of us to learn. So again, if we can implement that in in our growth, definitely, I'd love
0: to to do that. That kind of leads me to my next question. And actually, one of my last is, what is next for a rule of thumb? Because you guys don't stop. I remember having a conversation with you recently and you said to me, "Oh no, we're going to pump the brakes a bit." And then yeah, like, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you what did. What happened? Think, again, then, my wife
1: would love us to pump the brakes, but
0: Yeah, but you you've got so much going on like tell us what's 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 currently what that you can talk about. What's well, I currently guess, happening?
1: I, so I guess I guess when probably when I have that conversation after COVID, it's very just batten down not batten down a hatchet actually we were the first that's where Worcester really started flying was during Covid we we're the first restaurant to open and start doing takeaway we we're the only restaurant open for the first week and then everyone realized wow this is really good and yeah. since then we've been flying in Worcester um so Covid is like a double-edged sword like there's loads of positives that came out for us as a business yeah um we, we we're not scared of taking risks and Again, that sort of thing that you said at the beginning where we're just let's throw ourselves into it and we yeah. know it's gonna come good. We'll or we'll make it good. If something seemingly bad happens, we'll we'll turn it and we'll we'll make it make you it pivot. Yeah, we'll pivot. Um so but then there was definitely a period through COVID where we had to go, right, let's just gather our thoughts, let's mm-hmm. make sure everything's really safe and secure. And actually the last year and a half when things were sort of starting to open up again, we spent a year and a half just working on our Really boring stuff, which I don't enjoy the business, but KPIs, <laughs> key performance indicators, you know, uh, staff costs, food costs, yeah, nuts and bolts of running the business.
0: Yeah.
1: And that takes a long time.
0: Mm. And but, is necessary. <laughs>
1: but it's hugely necessary to have yeah. a successful business. Yeah. So now and then suddenly we hit a point where we're like, right, we're ready. Like we, we've got these great restaurants already and we've tightened everything up. mm mm-hmm. Got a phenomenal management team uh phenomenal guys who sit on our board, and we are ready so then and we sort of set this goal of where we want to go with us, the course sort of team, yeah, and ever since we set that goal, just opportunities have been flap hitting hitting in a lap, which yeah. is, so it's like okay, we've gotta grow now we've gotta we've gotta start growing because we're ready, we feel ready, we're excited, yeah. And so, yeah, we've got 11 Pizza opening, um, which was a pop up I was in the yard. I'm
0: so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, it should be really good. Really good wait.
1: Neapolitan pizza, some good yes, wine, yes. Um, a just few simple. pasta dishes. Yum. So that will open. And then we are opening a Maneki 2 further afield.
0: Well done.
1: And we just, yeah, so we just signed a place for Gloucester Docks. Woohoo! And it's all <laughs> independent restaurants. And I've always been a bit snooty about Gloucester. Mm. But okay. going there, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: going there. I think it's it's a place because we always had Cheltenham next door, and it's like yeah, everyone sort of goes. Oh, Cheltenham's the place to be, but actually, I think it's a bit like the relationship between Bath and Bristol, yeah. where Bristol never used to have this incredible food scene, and look Bath was always and look, it's incredible because
0: well, like you people said, get make priced, it a destination. Yeah, and
1: people get priced out. Like Cheltenham's really expensive. Yeah. And, and actually, it feels this feels like there's a bubbling excitement happening now in Gloucester Docks yeah. and all that area. So
0: that's really exciting.
1: we we'll, yeah do that, and then yeah, there's this bit bakery coming up, um, and then into next year we've got plenty of ideas. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, <I'm, laughs> I mean, I think I think that our core management team are like, if you throw any more ideas at us this yeah. year, I'm going to scream. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. And you also have uh, an amazing, successful food festival.
1: Yes. Which had a five-year hiatus
0: <laughs>
1: uh, due to Landau's COVID and yeah, a load of other stuff. life. A uh, 16, 17, we did our first ones. We did another one last year, which was great fun. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's I,
1: coming back this year? 100% coming back. We've got a great lineup. We're going to make it slightly bigger, but we're still going to try and keep it in that space to begin with. I mean, walking around of any food festival, which is a phenomenal festival, last year, I just thought, well, Hereford deserves oh, this as well.
0: Surely, but yes.
1: It's a big job, running it a is. festival. So uh, what I'd like to do is, is put, start pulling in people mm-hmm. over the next couple of years to actually run it. I don't yeah. particularly want to yeah. run a festival that size because it's a lot of work.
0: Oh, God, yeah.
1: Um, we'd want to focus on the restaurants. But it's, again, the reason we started that was not... for uh, Actually, our restaurants did worse that weekend. It was all about lifting other people up. It was going, look how great Hereford is. Let's have a good fun. Let's have a fun weekend. Yeah. Um, And I think that's I think that's why... Because we had a sticky point and we did crowdfunding back in yeah. 2018.
0: Yeah.
1: And we were blown away by, and we still are because we talk to our investors a lot, blown away by the support and how much we managed to raise. And that was purely because I think they saw that we were not just, you know, setting out our store and saying this is our, re-. We, we always opened our arms and wanted the best for everyone. Yeah and i think that karma and i believe in karma a lot and it comes back doesn't it so
0: oh it totally does well it's um it's so inspiring watching you guys just blossom and grow from strength to strength constantly and and i know that you have some very big goals and dreams in the years to come and um you know i think we'll save that for another podcast hmm. but i do i'm i'm really excited to to you know be a part of your journey in the small way that i feel like i am and was but also just to to watch you guys continue to you know inspire empower and educate and and create these culinary experiences for people here but obviously you're going further afield now and for people to get that experience because you know you guys it's not just about the food i feel like well, I know that you guys, it's all about how you make people feel. Hmm. And that's why you have been so successful and you will continue to be successful because you care. So, you know, I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and, um, I'm so grateful for our friendship and you know, that if there's anything you ever need, I'm not too far away.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on, Dawes, and uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime soon because we got lots to talk about.
1: Love to. Okay, love you.
0: you. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) That was wicked. Flourish with Trish is an original podcast hosted by me, Trish. It's produced by my father, Richard Johnson, in his home studio in Ontario, Canada. And the music was composed by my incredibly talented brother, Mike Johnson. This truly is a family affair.